And my first instinct was what happened? Like that was Mm -hmm. the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah. And it, from her, it was just nothing, you know, you don't know anything, mom kind of thing. So those were the first signs that I started to see from there. It was just really impulsive, erratic, stupid decisions um, that she was making. And she just had this attitude of like, I don't care what happens to me. I don't matter. I'm not important. No matter how much we all told her, like how loved she was, it, it just didn't matter. You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Sitting next to my co-host, the one and only Jill Peterson. Well, hello, fam. And we are sitting across the screen from someone we met, how I feel like we meet a lot of people nowadays is through Instagram. And I don't recall exactly what it was we were talking about that day, but you wound up in our DMs with your daughter Mm -hmm. um, further explaining something and how eloquent your daughter explained what she was going through. It was definitely a rough water situation just made us want to connect with the two of you even more. So we've done that through Instagram. And the other day, um, you put out a post and said, I would love to be on podcast talking about parent teen stuff. And I said, please come on ours because we host a parent teen podcast. (laughs) And here we are. I think that's such the beauty of the internet is being able to connect people with people who you may not have ever really been able to connect with. And you're in Arizona, so we actually might be able to connect with you in person at some point. But this is, I think, an awesome medium to do that on. So we're really excited to delve a little bit more into your story just based on what we already know um, and what we love from you and what you do for a living. So Carrie... Welcome to the show. Hi, Carrie. Hi. Thank you guys so much for having me on here. I feel like this has been a long time coming, so I'm really excited about this. Same. I really admire people who take the bold or who make a bold choice to send communication to someone that they might not know and to receive a DM from you with your daughter to boot was so cool. And I think that also is just like a just like dropping into that for the listeners who might be following someone that they really admire. Um, You have no idea what kind of connections can actually come from you taking that first step just to say hi or add value to whatever they're producing in their content. So I just first wanted to acknowledge that because Mary and I love that so much. We are such connectors and 
the more people that we might not have met otherwise, like we're we're all like-minded and to, to continue to build our network is really cool. And you being one of them, but most importantly, getting to get to know your daughter as well has been really fun too. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Will you just briefly tell our listeners who you are? Um, you don't just have one daughter, you have multiple children. So who you are for this world and why you wanted to share a little bit more about your story. So a light dusting, if you will. Sure. So I'm a registered dietitian, but I consider my first job mom. I'm a mom of four. So I have two girls, 19, 17, and then I have two boys, 15 and 10. The girls are definitely more challenging than the boys at this point right now, but I love them all. Um, I'm really into nutrition, health, wellness, fitness, all of that stuff. But as I started seeing more um, mental health struggles, like in my own family with my children, I became a lot more passionate about mental health and kind of sharing resources or sharing our story and our struggles with other families who might be having the same kind of conflicts within. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm kind of at a crossroads trying to figure out what's my next move. But for now, I'm just talking to people as much as I can and spreading the word and helping wherever I can. We love it. We love that. Honestly, keeping things so close to the chest sometimes can be torture. And I'm sure you have walked through hell and back and to be able to be in a position to share your story vulnerably. And I also know one of your daughters has shared about her journey as well. So not only you talking about what you've gone through, but allowing your children to feel comfortable enough to share their own struggles and their journey as well to help somebody else is so incredibly beautiful. It's powerful. I'm sure it's scary. Uh, you name it, but just gives other people permission to do oh the same. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it really probably came from you to convince or not convince, but to really encourage that talking about it is going to help other people. Yeah. She has that yeah. exact same mindset for sure. Like when she first started having issues. Like I had long story, but I did have to send her out of state for a good part of 2020. And that was devastating for me. And with social media, there was so much going on in, in the world. We all know 2020. And I really struggled. Like, do I just keep sharing this nutrition stuff when I'm having this internal struggle with my family or do I share it? I don't want to disrespect my daughter and share too much because she's still young. You know, I, I want to be respectful of her as well, but I felt this struggle as a mom. I, it was so isolating, so scary. I can't even put it into words. And there were no resources for me at that time because of COVID shut everything down. So I really kind of just had to find my way through it and had to find coping skills and just people I could really talk to about it that could help me. And then once she came home, she was like a different person, completely different person. And that, she wanted to share incredible. Yeah. She yeah. wanted to share her story with anybody she could help. And so I remember when I first reached out to you guys, you were doing, you were going to talk at a school and you were asking about different topics that maybe middle-aged or not middle-aged middle school girls might struggle with, or what topics you should talk about. And she was in the car with me. We were in the parent pickup line, getting my little one. 
And she was like, Oh, let me answer. So she just took my phone and just voice memoed you. And I was like, okay, who is this kid? So, yeah. I think that's such a beautiful point that many people, when they're looking at a hard situation or when something is not going the way we necessarily thought that it's going to take years, resources, money, energy, like all of these things where I'm sure, obviously, I can't imagine being in your shoes in the moment where you said, this is a global pandemic. And in order for my daughter's mental health to stand a chance at surviving, we have to send her out of state. I can't imagine what that felt like. But you said she came back a different person. So she took a couple of months. How long was she gone? Oh, gosh. I mean, she was gone. Well, two different times. So she was gone June through August. She came home, had a complete meltdown. Like we, she was hospitalized again. She was not in a place where she was okay. And where I could feel confident bringing her back home and keeping her safe. So we actually, I had to really, really fight for her with my insurance, with the hospital, with everybody to get her into a place where it was more intense, focused on what she really needed. Yeah. And she was there for five months. So she was gone seven months total out of the year. But in between that, I mean, before that, there was multiple hospitalizations just to kind of like get her stabilized and a lot of scary stuff and, you know, throw in 2020. And that's just like, yeah. Right. Um, If you don't mind, if you don't mind me asking, was it did it stem from lack of confidence? Did it stem from low self-esteem? Where did you first notice a, sh- a shift in your daughter and then kind of leading down that path? So I started to notice she's always been a competitive, like a club softball player. Great, excellent player. She started to struggle with the teams that she was on probably in like seventh or eighth grade. She started to get in trouble at school, um, just making poor choices, vaping at school, um, not really caring. And then she got to this point when she started high school and she was a freshman, just saying, I don't care about myself. I don't care about my body. Like I don't just really low self-esteem. And my first instinct was what happened? Like That was the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah. And it, from her, it was just nothing, you know, you don't know anything, mom kind of thing. So those were the first signs that I started to see from there. It was just really impulsive, erratic, stupid decisions um, that she was making. And she just had this attitude of like, I don't care what happens to me. I don't matter. I'm not important. No matter how much we all told her, like how loved she was, it, it just didn't matter. So, um, she did, sorry, she did attempt suicide a couple of times and, um, we had to hospitalize her. She came back and she would be okay for a little while. And her dad and I are divorced. Um, so she would stay with me and then she would go stay with her dad. And it was just him and I, we just don't get along. So that just made things more complicated, unfortunately, but it got to the point where I think we were on the third hospitalization in just a couple months. And I was like, okay, we need to do something more intense. And she had been seeing a therapist who God saved her. She saved her life. Like she helped me get all the paperwork in order. She advocated. We sent her to a therapeutic like therapy group home. 
that we thought would be awesome for her, like art therapy, equine therapy, surf therapy. She was going to be in California and they didn't have any of those programs running. So she was basically confined to a house with a bunch of other people that were trying to be stabilized as well. So that just, yeah, it just bought us some time basically. Mm-hmm. It's pretty incredible listening to your story and knowing my own, um, though I'm not a mom, I got to be a mom to my little sister who very similar, super similar. Um, when I started noticing a change in her behavior and she had, um, we, we don't have the same mom. So she had some other struggles that led into her downslide, but same thing, like fighting with insurance companies. We talk about mental health as if we want to help in this country, but we put up so much red tape and we silo the sectors. People don't talk to one another. I probably had contact with 30 different caseworkers um, in my sister's case. Um, We were in seven different behavioral clinics, short-term and long-term group homes, things you think are going to help. I remember thinking to myself multiple times along the journey that this was it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, this was it. This we found answer. someone. This mm-hmm. was the answer. This was the scenario we needed her to be in. This was the group home we were praying for. And that never quite panned out because what I quickly found out was government-funded programs in terms of DCS and CPS everyone is overworked and underpaid. So they didn't, they cared, but they could only care enough because these social workers have freaking 70 cases that they're expected to go check on the wellness of these kids and they can't get to a quarter of them. So you get bogged down with all of these horribly sad stories and you have to go home and take that on and live your life. And it, it just, it was for lack there of a better term, such a shit show. And there wasn't a ton of resources. There wasn't a ton of places we could turn. There was no light at the end of the tunnel. And I specifically remember what you just said. We found a psychiatrist at Phoenix Children's Hospital that saved her life. Mm-hmm. It was the one person that she finally felt safe around that she could finally really talk to. He pulled a few strings for us. He made a couple of phone calls and I'll never forget him. I still text him to this day. And and that is that's probably six, seven years removed. That's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, there it just takes one person to for her for her to really feel like she can connect with. And she has that. Like, thank God she has that. And a therapist, if she feels she can't come to me, she has a couple mentors that, you know, like you guys do for girls who feel like yeah. they can't talk to their moms or or their parents. But you're right, the mental health care system is a complete nightmare. And what really made me passionate was, so her first um, therapeutic group home, you know, they had like a parent support thing that you had to attend via Zoom every week, um, which was great because you could hear about other people in similar situations. We were all a little bit different though. And what I started to notice was these parents would get on the calls frantic because their insurance was only going to allow their kid to stay for, you know, three weeks well, what can you accomplish in 21 days if there's a very serious problem? And I felt extremely blessed that my insurance was going to keep her as long as she needed to be there. And they would reevaluate periodically, but just seeing these families and then, you know, they would disappear for two weeks and then they would be back because their kid would be back in a a different one of the facilities there. And it's just like, it's so frustrating and sad. Who's your insurance through? Let's plug them. Yeah. 
say thank you out loud of uh, blue, we do blue cross blue shield i don't know <laughs> no we have tricare so um tricare. we're very yeah very fortunate there awesome. um but i still have had to really fight i had to get like oh. a, a client oh advocate gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I want to, I just want to call out that word, like you fighting for your daughter and probably not just her, but the three other kiddos that you also had to care and love for during this love can look so many different ways and fighting for your kiddo is like the ultimate love that you can feel from your mom or your dad and a lot of times we have to explain that to our girls because they're like oh my mom's making me do this again and you know and and they're mad at each other but it's like we get to really we get to approach it in a way where it's like it's actually love and how lucky for you to to feel and receive that um, even if you don't see it as that. Well, and on the flip side of that, we actually have to explain that to our parents a lot too, because they can be just as annoyed. Obviously, you have four teenagers. You very well know how annoyed you could probably be by their (laughs) actions at times. But what we don't understand, and not all of us, you obviously have an education in health and wellness, which encompasses the whole body, including the brain. So you probably have a little insight as to how the brain develops. And that is what kids want when they're rolling their eyes, when they're crossing their arms, when you think they're not listening to you on the inside, whether they know it or not, they're screaming for you to fight for them. Prove Mm -hmm. to me that you love me. We get that, we get to that point of independence where we start to push back against authority and we start to make questionable decisions because we wanna see what happens. Mm -hmm. That is literally the moment we start screaming at our parents to prove that we love them. Mm -hmm. Prove to us that you love us by taking these actions. And that's hard. That's hard to detach and say, well, well, you little shit, why are you doing that? You know, of course yeah. we can see that from you our perspective. Me. But we literally as parents, and I am not one, I'm speaking from my experience within this and as well as my personal experience, but it can be very hard to detach and not take personal. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to point out is we literally only have our kids for 18 years, right? So let's just say average lifespan for a woman is 84 men 79 they typically make worse decisions than women (laughs) so they live a little less long but our job is to prepare them the best we can in those 18 years now in the handbook it doesn't say don't take things personal we're humans we have feelings but the fact that your daughter went through something says nothing about the parent you were for her. And I think that's really important to point out where other parents may be going through something similar and they're taking it as they did something wrong. And it's nothing that you yeah. did wrong. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it turns out that way. You have three kids that are thriving and one who didn't do well but came back around. You got her back on the right track with your efforts and your love. Mm-hmm. But it says nothing about who you are. And it's cool that you could disassociate that and do what you needed to do in order to get her the help that she needed. Yeah, because I'm sure she probably told you a ton of times, like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. I'm fine. Or no one's going to care about me. And you're like, I don't care. I, I care enough to put you in the right place. I will keep doing what I need to do to get you the right care and with the right professionals. 
Um, sometimes we, uh, we look at these little people and I say little people, like as in the term of like t our teenagers, we think that they're capable enough of making their own sound decisions. Mm -hmm. So many times parents almost get like backed into a corner because their kid told them no. And we're like, you, but you're the parent you get, <laughs> you get to tell them what to do and where to show up. And you know, they live rent free. That's what I tell my kids. I'm like, sorry, pal, you got to put your clothes in the hamper. Cause you live here for free. Your only job yeah. is to do what I say, go to school. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I know we're going on a little bit of a tangent of just saying that that's what fighting for your child looks like and, and fighting for their love. Yeah. I definitely did struggle with that whole, where did I go wrong and trying mm -hmm. to blame my, what could I have done differently? And she would sometimes play into that too. You know, like, this is your fault. I'm here because of you or, you know, just, oh, and that's course. hard. That is so hard yeah. to take. And that just makes the whole parent experience way more emotional because besides being isolated and not really having other friends that have gone through this or have talked about it, I didn't know who to talk to. Like I could talk to my mom and she'd be like, well, you were this and that and blah, blah, blah. And that's not helping me right. mother. <laughs> Thanks mom. Yeah. I, but, I believe it was uh, the prophet Brian Adams who said that cuts like a knife. Yeah. <laughs> the prophet Brian <laughs> Adams. Yes. yes. Gosh, let's date ourselves. Man, yeah. Why not? <laughs> It's incredible to hear other people's points of view when you're looking for help. You're like, throw me a life raft, and they throw another bucket of water on you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, thanks, mom. You yeah. were a shithead when you boat. were this age. You deserve this. It's like, no, that's that's not what I was looking for. But thank you for yeah. your for your spirited opinion. Yeah. Will you tell us a little bit about how your other three kids did during this time? Yeah. So this was a big struggle for me because I was so just invested in my daughter getting the help. And this is my second daughter. So my oldest, she actually, I think that uh, she, she was like ready to move out at that point. I was pretty emotionally unavailable, I would say, because I was just stuck in this. It just felt like this spiral, like everything would be good. And then the next day it would crash. So I kind of lived in the state of fear and my kids knew because they had seen what had gone on. They had seen how frantic I would be, you know, all the tears, all the outbursts, everything. And so it was really important for me to kind of like make sure that they had resources and help to talk like somebody to talk to as well. So I did put them in to talk to a counselor to make sure that they were okay. The little one was kind of just oblivious and was just like, I'm going to play Fortnite and just ignore everybody <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. And I was like, cool. Perfect. The only <laughs> time you're allowed, <laughs> the only time you're allowed to sit on the screen for more yeah. than an hour a day, get in there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. It, it definitely impacted the entire family. And I think a, the, the other kids are definitely still kind of reeling from that because she was gone for so long. So she kind of lost that connection. They kind of gravitated towards each other. And so right. when she came home, she kind of felt like the, the misfit or like the outcast and they wanted to welcome her in, but they were scared of getting hurt again. Mm. Um, and so my job was to make sure she felt comfortable, but then also make sure that they felt comfortable as well. And it was just a lot. <laughs> it was, right. it was a lot. Of course. Um, well, and I, I kind of want to, I want to rewind to your comment about the fact that 
you and her dad are divorced and you didn't see things eye to eye or necessarily operate on the same page. My parents were the same. When they got a divorce, it was very venomous. It was not healthy. They hated one another. They talked about the fact that they hated one another. They did things in order to prove that they hated one another. My mom hated Jinko jeans. And I don't know if you recall what Jinko jeans were. J N C O, very big, very baggy. I'm a small person now, but back then I was tiny. I remember one of my identification cards saying, like, four foot eight to 75 pounds. And I loved Jinko jeans. So, of course, since my mom hated them, my dad bought me every pair that JCPenney sold. So it was very open, like their hatred for one another. And what I want to say here is parents get it together because it's not about you, right? You've got a 16-year-old at the time who is suffering and you guys can't seem to get it together. And I don't mean you in particular, but it was a perfect example to say if you can do anything for your kids, Put your feelings towards your spouse or your ex-spouse aside so your kid can flourish regardless because they're going to take what you're projecting on them and they're going to project it for the rest of their life on all of their future relationships. And that is where I found the need for therapy in my 20s because it was like I was angry like my dad and I was withdrawn like my mom and my relationships weren't working out and it's like, well, what's wrong with me? And it's like, okay, well, nothing is necessarily wrong with me other than the fact that all of my programming is stemming from how my parents treated one another. So when you get in a situation like the situation you were in, it's so imperative to be on the same page to make sure that she makes it out of that storm. Yeah. And, and you just described my relationship with her father, unfortunately. However, when she went away, we were both, I mean, obviously devastated. And I would say that was the first time in years that we were able to kind of be on the same page. And we actually started a group text between my husband and I and him and his wife, just to check in, like how she was doing, making sure we were communicating Um, But it was when she came home from the first stay and stole his car and totaled it and didn't have her her driver's license that he was then, you know, then he was, I mean, angry, upset. So it it kind of shifted things because, you know, I knew she, she needs help. Like she really does need help. And he was angry, obviously like about the car, but, and that's kind of where it started to downslide. And that's when she started to feel like she didn't have us both on her team anymore. Mm. Um, so, you know, the first round we were good, we were communicating and then he kind of just stopped and I felt like I had to pick up the pieces yeah. there for oh, her. God. Um, because you can imagine how she probably felt, you know, being yeah. so far away and she felt guilt and shame and it's just, it's so hard to navigate, but you're absolutely right. And I feel like he and I got married when we were so young, we had three kids back to back and we were very emotionally immature, I would say. And I, I don't know that we've completely gotten out of that. I feel like it's better, but yeah, yeah, it's hard on the kids for sure. And they've all yeah. said it. All three of them have said it. So, yeah. well, again, the cool thing about you is that you're open to having these conversations. Mm-hmm. A lot of women would literally take that to the grave. The best thing you can do for someone else and you is to share your story. And to say that, like, man, gosh, I've learned so much. I would, 
you know, I, I would do it a little bit differently, but this is how I'm navigating it. And it's not perfect. And I don't expect to be perfect. I'm still a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's like what, what I want to ask you next is how do you take care of your mental health? Knowing that your background is in fitness and nutrition and you, you are a dietitian, has that been like a foundation for you to kind of lean on when, when times got tough for you? How did you take care of yourself and how are you continuing to take care of yourself? That's a great question. So yeah, making sure, because sometimes I would get to the point where I would be like, oh crap, it's like four o'clock and I haven't eaten anything today. (laughs) That's not great for me because I get real hangry real fast. Preach Um, it. I've seen your reels. I've seen your reels. You do, you do acknowledge that. So yes, making sure that I was really consistent with eating a good variety of food, um, but also exercise. Oh my gosh. I work out not to, not for aesthetics, but to stay sane. Um, and so everybody else yeah. around me can, you know, be okay as well. Function. <laughs> yes. Function, oh, yeah. Me too. Amen to that. I I am so here for that. That's exactly why I found CrossFit because in the midst of everything that I just yeah. talked about, it was the one hour of the day where I could pick something up and toss it down and just <laughs> yep. get it out. <laughs> Yeah. If you're not working out, if you don't have a routine, get one. It's such great stress relief. It is. Absolutely. It is. Um, I, I think the hardest thing for me was one, managing my stress and two, sleep. I was losing so much sleep. And when you lose sleep, then it just throws everything else off. Um, so I had to get yeah. real creative, like with the magnesium and the mineral mocktails and, you know, all the, mm-hmm. all the dippy yes. dippy things. But I, I got really into journaling. And as I was journaling, I would just basically dump my feelings onto paper. And so I kept an online journal of everything that was going on with her and then every single emotion that I felt. And now I haven't looked at it for a while, but now I'm actually writing a book about my experience going through all of this. And yeah. I'm having to go back through those journals and it just hurts. It hurts mm-hmm. to see like how much pain because you get through it and you're like, Oh, we made it. We're good. You know, you kind of forget how, how hard it was, mm-hmm. but just reading those words again was, it's very sad to be honest. So I'm glad I'm listening. It. I'm oh. listening to a sermon series right now called here is holy. And he talks about like how cool it is to pause and look back whether you're religious or not, you definitely don't have to be to to look back and see the valleys that you've overcome, but that we don't give enough credit to ourselves for the things that we've survived. Because we do, we just, oh, we got through that. Now we're here and things are good. On to the next. But man, the valleys are really what make us because mm-hmm. it didn't break us. We're not in that valley anymore. And those periods of time and just listening to those words, I am somebody who loves to reminisce. I have a lot of valleys in my past. So it's really cool to see the girl that I am now considering the things that I put myself through, that my parents' divorce put me through, and to know that healing is available to everyone if they have the right community, if they have the right support and they have the appropriate resources. Unfortunately, not everyone is gifted with those things, which makes recovery or making it through a lot more difficult. But kudos to you for journaling, A, as a cathartic practice, 
Because even if you didn't have anybody to talk to at that time or relate to, you could get it down on paper. But being able to go back through it and see and feel and experience the hard that you went through now that you're not all the way through the storm. We're never going to be all the way through the storm. You probably are very in tune with your daughter's mental health now and to make sure that she doesn't backslide or if you see signs. But to know that you wrote it down and to be able to see that version of yourself doing everything in your power to make sure that your kids, all of them, survived that period of time is huge. Oh, hon, I was just going to say words that popped into my mind perseverance, resilience, grit, courage. I mean, I, I'm like, that. that is the gift you're giving your children. And a lot of times our mess becomes our message. So it's no wonder that you're sitting here in this kind of um, limbo of like, what do I do? But you're you're still, you're, you're acting on that little tug on your heart that's saying, keep going there, keep going yeah. there because if you can if you can stand in front of other men and women moms and dads to say yes was it hard absolutely but am i broken no and you can do the same is so incredibly powerful and and it really is like a test of like humanity like we need each other to to survive life is not meant to to be lived out alone like we we need to be in community and and your story i hope people listening to this if someone's going through something similar that they that they know that they have someone like you to reach out to or to connect with because that's what it's about yeah always and i always i'll go on my instagram every once in a while i'm thinking of changing you know rebranding somehow but no, i'm not there yet but I will go on and I'll just share little tidbits here and there. You know, a lot of people have followed and um, she actually, my daughter went live with me one time and just like spilled her guts on everything. Yeah. But I have had people who've reached out and said, Hey, I'm going through this. Where do I turn? Who can I talk to? What can I do? And I'm like, I'm not a professional in this area. I can only share my experience, but just having somebody who understands what goes through your mind and during that kind of situation is just, I can't even tell you, it's so therapeutic to just have somebody else. Absolutely. So, well, and we're not mental health um, professionals. We can't diagnose. We don't prescribe. We get that question a lot. Mm -hmm. We tend to focus on the tools that they could use now and in their future, whereas therapy obviously deals with a lot of their past and getting them to overcome things programming, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but if you ever need resources, we definitely have a bucket full of them if you ever want yes. to direct people our way. Um, and she has. She, she has. has. I have. Yeah, I actually reached out to you. Oh, I have. Yeah. You're um, really great at that. Will you fill us in on how she's doing now? Yes, I will. She's doing really, really well. So when she came back, I just enrolled her online um, through just a local charter school. Um, and she did great, but she really wanted to go back and experience high school. It wasn't still quite back to normal completely yet, but I let her go and it proved to be very challenging for her. So I ended up pulling her back out this past semester and she's totally thriving online. 
she's got all A's. Like, I don't know if it's just because she's so, she's such a social butterfly that she's just like, Oh, let's pay attention to everything except what I'm supposed to be doing kind of thing. She's only had two serious dysregulation episodes in the past year. She's been home almost a year on the 26th. That'll have been a year. She's been doing great. She's working almost full-time. She's going to school full-time. She's volunteering with not my kid which is oh, going to be incredible. so, Yay. so she, it just like fills her heart. She, when she was in school, she joined best buddies, you know, which partners students with kids that are special needs or autistic or, um, and they just do intramural activities and she yeah. just loved it. So I'm trying to keep her as busy as possible. She's doing really well. We still struggle every now and then, but I would say yeah. she has completely turned her life. Like, I don't even know who this kid is anymore. She's so wise. It's like, she has to remind me to use oh. certain skills every once in a while. I'm just like, dang. <laughs> well, I really right. can't imagine how that makes your mom heart feel after going through mm -hmm. the storm that y'all went through. And um, I just, I want to read something that I, I read this weekend and it, it, happiness equals service of others is greater than service of self. And I think we all know this and it seems simple enough. We tend to forget it, I think, on a daily basis because we're human beings and we're self-serving. But I think she's starting to realize that, A, like you just said, sharing your story, I think those are the most hits quote unquote, that mm -hmm. we get on our Instagram, whether it's a story, a post, a reel, whatever it is, when we're personal, because people want to know more about the person behind the brand or the person behind the job or, you know, the person behind who mom is. Mm -hmm. And she, I think, is starting to understand that she can attract more people that way. More people are going to be interested in what she's overcome in order to be who she is today. And then the service of others giving back mm -hmm. giving back fills up your cup more than any louis vuitton bendy gucci, gucci wallet bells. ever yeah. will ever <laughs> and that takes a long time to figure out because also as human beings we are drawn to materialistic things especially when our emotions are high or we're drawn to eating. I'm sure you see a lot of that in your career. We we seek external things as opposed to giving back, mm -hmm. as opposed to sewing into someone else who might be struggling in the same way you are. We tend to self-serve. And when we can figure out what the magic sauce is as a, in terms of giving to other people, that lights up my life. That, that equals yeah. happiness. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. That's been, I mean, it just feels like everything just kind of aligned how it was supposed to without us really having to, you know, fight for something when she came home. It just kind of was like, oh, here's an opportunity for you. Go do your thing. And she was she just went, went all in. And so uh, I don't know. There's just been so many things. I'm just like, it's crazy how this stuff is just falling into your lap and it's leading you down a path where you want to where you want to be. So. I think the biggest struggle that I've had since she's been back, and you guys probably hear this all the time, is social media and her phone. Mm -hmm. I, I hate it. I wish it was never invented for myself as well. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's her coping skill. Like yeah. she's gone from having all these wonderful, healthy coping skills to now I need my phone to cope, to exist. Like it is my existence. And that is the one thing that still terrifies me to this day. So we do have a lot of conversations about that. And mom's a psycho. So mom's going to be checking in on you as much as 
humanly possible, but kids are freaking sneaky. Go psycho mom. Go psycho mom. Right? That's Absolutely. you loving. That's you that's loving. That's you loving her. And yeah. you fighting for her. That's boundaries that she doesn't know she needs. Yeah. And honestly, mm-hmm. the more you talk about it, the more you're involved. Because unfortunately, we're stuck with social media. There's not a lot that we can do unless it implodes, which, you know, secretly, yeah, I think we're might. all hoping that it implodes <laughs> at some point. It might. But realistically, it's something that we're going to have to deal with because it's something that they're going to have to deal with beyond 18. And from what I said Mm -hmm. 20 minutes ago, like we're preparing them for that period of their life. Mm -hmm. So we can't take it away from them necessarily. But what we can do is make them confident in their actions. So the more you talk about it, the more confident she becomes when she faces something like, oh, you're going to see this or you're going to stumble upon that or you might feel this way after looking at these profiles. Mm -hmm. She's not going to be... Yes, she might be more curious. She might be going down other rabbit holes to answer questions. But if it's a conversation that you've had with her multiple times, she's going to be more confident in the way that she responds to the thing, whatever the thing is. And I think that's your best bet in empowering her and equipping her to use social media for the good. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just how all her friends communicate now. Just send a picture of your chin on oh, your, yeah, forehead. your forehead. We, yeah. we were like, <laughs> we know. love it. We, we learned so much and you know, this, this whole, honestly, it's going to be another epidemic around like kids having anxiety and depression because they're left mm-hmm. on red. We talked about this on our stories the other day, but if you mm-hmm. don't communicate immediately with your friends on Snapchat, kids, literally they, it, it, it they take that to, to to heart. It it takes them off course. And if they're yes. in school with their phones, there's no way they're focusing on what's in front of them. They're worried about that Johnny didn't Snapchat him back right away. And yeah. then is Johnny mad at me? And then it's da 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 da. So the more that we can prepare our kids, the better the outcome will be, and the less damage control we'll have to do. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. a challenge for sure. I, I know a lot of it is. parents struggle and with it. I, oh gosh, I wish there was like an easy answer answer to be solution. like, do this, do this, do this. But it's it's so trial and error. There's definitely not, there needs to be a handbook for it, but there's not, unfortunately. Well, there needs to be regulations yeah. around oh, it. Awesome. I mean, yeah, totally. literally my coworker at the gym I work at has a six-year-old and he's divorced and mom does things to spite dad. And one of those things was to get the six-year-old and iPhone. And I wanted to rip my hair out hearing <sighs> that because yeah. a six-year-old, I mean, yeah. can I just put that into – conceptually, I don't understand it whatsoever. Why does a six-year-old need a cell phone? A cell phone is a supercomputer. You can discover whatever you want to on mm-hmm. that thing. And she just, you know, has a running head start, and basically. God bless her heart. Does she yeah. know how to read or write at six? Like my kids <laughs> well, were – She knows st- how to FaceTime her dad at work. learning how to read and write. <laughs> so it's, oh. it is – Unfortunately, like I totally understand that as far as your concerns, because there's the World Wide Web is dark and vast and scary. Mm -hmm. And when you already know she has a tendency to have pitfalls, you don't want her to wander into one because she's surfing the web and because she wants to follow what her friends are doing. Right. You know, and because I mean, kids can be well and adults, people can hide behind their screen and just bully. You know, and not not knowing her whole story, I that's where I really worry is that somebody's going to say something that completely 
destroys her self-esteem or triggers her and we're back to square one. So absolutely. But she's pretty yeah. good at like being aware of those kind of situations. But still, yeah, it's always, yeah. it's always in the it's back in, of my mind. Absolutely. And it's always a conversation that can be had. So okay. keep, keep on it, mama. You got this. You got this. <laughs> um, Carrie, honestly, this has been such a pleasure to chat with you and to learn more about your story and your children and your life. Truly. Um, it's an honor to, um, create space and have conversations like this because we know it's going to impact more people than we probably even know. So thank you for showing up and being brave and courageous and vulnerable with us. And I'm excited to like watch you go through this transitional period that you're trying to figure out. Um, like, do we go down the fitness yeah. and dietitian and nutrition route, or do we incorporate a little more youth mental health? Do we fuse them together? This is really cool. So um, where, where can people find you if they want to connect with you or reach out? Well, on Instagram's probably, that's just the biggest, easiest way which is crazy because I just said how much I don't like social media. <laughs> um, we don't we like it, but we, it's, it's an evil necessity. I know. Yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. So fit balance nutrition underscore RD, which I'm trying to change, but I'll keep it for a little bit, a little while longer. And then my website is fitbalancenutrition.com. Those are probably the easiest two ways for right now, but. Well, we'll cool. definitely pop those in the show sure. notes so people can find you and connect with you offline if if they saw themselves in your story or want to have a conversation about some things that they're struggling with. You are amazing. It takes, like Jill said, a lot of vulnerability and a lot of courage to share the dark parts of our story. As much as we're removed from being teenagers ourselves, we still face judgment and um, being scared to, to let people in because it's hard to be vulnerable. Um, it's hard to it's hard to put ourselves out there for fear of what other people are going to take from it and throw back at us. So kudos to you for just really, I mean, you're, you're embracing the season. Mm -hmm. And something I, I want to end with the question we asked you if you remember your answer, what are you grateful for in this moment? And I can read it off if you'd like, but I just, I found it so poignant. Mm -hmm. You said, I'm grateful for being a mom. It is the one thing in my life that I've always wanted to be. So I take the good, the bad, the chaos and everything in between. And I think that's just such a, a beautiful holistic way to look at being a mom because it's not all rainbows and butterflies. And you know, depending on if you were a bit of a shithead, you might be blessed with a few shitheads yourself. And that can be hard to juggle from time to time. And I and they're going to grow up to be great leaders. They are going to grow up to be great leaders. So just kudos to you for pushing through when times were not so great. Yes. Thank you guys so much for what you do too. It is so needed and necessary. So thanks for having me on today. Oh my gosh. A pleasure. Okay. Well, everyone enjoy the rest of your day and we will catch you on the next episode. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com slash WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, 
by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review. And three, by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.